and welcome to the 171st episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm terrific. So, Roger, this week we have a real holiday treat for our listeners. We're pleased to have a legend of the wireless and telecom world on, uh, Denny Striegel, retired president and CEO of Verizon Wireless, as well as a founding member of CTIA, is joining us. Denny, welcome to the podcast. Nice to be here, guys. Yeah, Denny, it's a real treat. Christmas for me came a little bit early with you being on the show. And, you know, as, as you know, I have the, the highest respect for you. You have been like a an iconic leader. And I think in the most difficult position in which you can be be a leader, which is you ran the largest wireless carriers and you continued to disrupt the industry as a leader. When every or almost every textbook tells you, oh, when you're the leader, you should play it safe, let the other people make mistakes. But, you know, I witnessed you really disrupting the industry and keeping the accelerator down when you were outperforming everybody else. How do you instill that kind of a an ethos? How do you think about how to to do this as an executive? <laughs> Roger, thank you for your kind introduction. And I I never really looked at myself as a disruptor. I but <laughs> I I clearly understand your point. We we never really intended to disrupt. But we always looked at our our competitors as not as enemies, but as our challengers. And we always tried day in and day out to make ourselves a little bit better. And I think for for any of these great companies that we have in in the wireless industry, the the key to success is thinking about making your company a little better, a little stronger every day. We used to have, as I think you know, Verizon Wireless uh, had a a company credo. And in that credo, we said such things as a a dropped or an incomplete call is, is not acceptable. Quality and reliability are paramount. We focus outward on the customer, not inward. So, so those kinds of things are what we use to rally our employees around the what we call the wireless credo and the job that we had to do in the marketplace. I, I don't think so much as being a disruptor as just completely, totally focused on the, the quality of the network. The network quality was paramount. I mean, a drop call was something that we worked every day to to resolve. So, I guess what I would say to to your to your question is the the most important thing that I think any any leader in the industry can do is to make sure that there is a proper culture. Well, I, I define culture as the lifeblood of an organization the proper culture within the organization that that people understand exactly what they are to do and how they are to do it. 
And I, I think that's what we built at Verizon. Yeah, and because every company has like a mission statement and things like that, and they don't execute on it. And you wrote an excellent book, Managers, Can You Hear Me Now, where, where you talk a lot about or where, where you write about, you know, your leadership philosophy. And a lot of people try, but it's not, not all of them are succeeding. So how do you take this from the credo into the, the lived action? Well, there, there were a couple of key things that, that I always tried to focus on. And first and foremost was get the very best people you can working with you and for you. So we had people like Lowell McAdam, Jack Plating, Rick Conrad, Roger Gernani, who ran our IT system, who could, who could just make changes uh, almost overnight. Martha Delahanty in uh, human resources, hiring the right people, training them the right way. It was most important to me to get excellent people that I worked with, that worked for me. And I think that was, that was key. I, I had a great staff. And when, when I think about this, we tried our very best to get decision-making as close to the customer as we possibly could. So we had areas in the business. We, we tried to decentralize decision-making so that our areas and our regions would be making decisions to the advantage of the customer. And it also built within these areas and regions a sense of ownership in the business. It wasn't central headquarters calling all the shots, although certainly we set the strategy and you know, quite often the direction came from what I would call the headquarters organization, but it was up to the areas and the regions to, to fulfill the, the strategy, to tactically achieve the results that we were looking for. We also prided ourselves on controlling our stores, controlling our customer service, and controlling our IT systems. I think what may be occurring more than it should be in the industry today is too many agents, perhaps, that are or not company-owned stores, customer service that has been farmed out to, to you know, outside agencies, IT systems, that are managed from wherever around the world and not under the direct and immediate control of the company itself. Mm -hmm. I think those were key decisions that we made. Yeah. yeah, also with your decentralized organization, what I felt was it really helped to build a wide and deep bench of executives who learned independent decision-making who could fail sometimes, but most often succeed in an environment where they were, where it was not a disaster. And I think sometimes too often, you know, the first time somebody makes a decision, then their executive VP running a multi-billion dollar business unit rather than a, an, an, a, a region, right? Roger, I, I'll have to admit that I, I failed many times. And, and the key to, to dealing with failure is to recognize it as, as quickly as you can 
and to change course as quickly as you can. That's, as you may recall from visiting my leadership class at Princeton, it's one of the principles that, that I spend a lot of time on. We talk about high ethical standards equals a mm-hmm. competitive advantage. We talk about the importance of building trust for one another, open, candid, direct communications, how important it is in a large corporation. This may sound a little bit silly, but how important it is to fight to stay small and and thereby killing bureaucracy. We always used to say that a, a store window is more important than the corner office. And we believe that. We, we weren't focused on the executive suite, if you will. We, we never built anything in the business like that. You remember I, when last time I visited you in, at Princeton, and I think your, your students are, are some of the luckiest students around. But when I visited you many years ago in, in Bedminster, you had a, a very modest office. I think your office running the largest carrier was smaller than my boss who was running, you know, 12 people. And I was very impressed by that because I've been to other offices that have been mahogany panels and, and you know, top to bottom. And, and here it showed the right focus, in my opinion. Roger, I, I think the, the most important thing about an office is to get out of it. <laughs> get out. Be with the people in the field. And the, the office to me was never important. It was never a place that I wanted to be. You know, another thing I I might add here about the industry and and my years in the industry, our competition, Verizon's competitors were fierce. And and we really were able to play off one another. And at the same time, through the industry association, agree on the things that were best to do for the industry as a whole. But every day in the streets, we were out to, to really beat each other and to, and to do it fair and square. You know, I, I competed uh, against people like, just to throw out some names, Tim Donahue, uh, and, as you know, yeah. who ran uh, just a, a powerful, different type of company in Nextel, Dan Hesse in Sprint, John Stanton. I mean, talk about a legend in the industry, Western Wireless, Voice Stream, before that, McCaw. I mean, Stan Sigmund at AT and T. These these guys were true leaders who fought together for the industry and who fought each other for the customer. And and it was not only for me, but for the people that I worked with. It it was exciting to go to work every day. I used to tell people that people who who worked within Verizon that my job was to make them proud to go home and tell family, friends, significant others that here's what we did today and to be proud of that rather than go home and say, oh, boy, another boring day at the office. That's that's what we lived for day in and day out. That's what made the job exciting. Yeah. But to come back to to being a disruptor, way back when I I was hosting the Yankee Group's wireless 
conference and you were very kind in in speaking at the the events and for example you introduced then the abolishment of or you were starting to prorate early termination fees which which set the industry on a path of getting away from from contracts i think you were also instrumental with number portability that most people today would would consider you know table stakes but these 20 years ago were like revolutionary steps that most companies in the industry were were dead set against and you went ahead and and took a risk and that's what i meant but like Roger, I- I, I didn't do anything super <laughs> with, with local number portability. I, I I actually made for Verizon Wireless what was probably, at least in my mind, an obvious decision. So you are, you are absolutely right. When, when we talked about local number portability, I, I remember, uh, along with several other of, of my peers in, in the industry, we testified before Congress and Oh, I mean, it, this whole idea of a customer being able to take their number from company A and the same telephone number to company B, this, the industry was so opposed to that at the time. But, but here's, maybe this is, is, is obvious now. Verizon Wireless at the time was in a position where we were, we were gaining uh, in a quarter, uh, over a million customers a quarter. We had the lowest churn rate in the industry. Yeah. So this was no brilliant decision on my part to support local number portability. I easily came to the conclusion that if we had local number portability, Verizon at the time would gain more customers. So I took a stand in favor of local number portability, and I, <laughs> I, I can tell you I was the most hated man at CTIA meetings for at least two years after that. Local number portability was was back in 2003, and I remember it like it was yesterday. The other thing, Roger, one, one year later, I remember coming to one of your conferences and talking about the wireless directory. Yeah. And, and you may recall that this was in, I, gosh, I guess it was 2004. It was a huge topic. Was a huge. Oh, okay. you you may recall this was all that we talked about, and all of my peers were so strongly in favor of listing their customers in a wireless telephone directory. Well, at the time, this was picked up in the press and in the industry trades, and I was getting emails without exaggeration. I bet I was getting at least a hundred emails a month from my customers saying, please don't do this. Yep. So, so I thought what, what's the, this was no brilliance on my part. The logical conclusion to support our customer base was to say no to wireless directories. And that's what I did. Well, but, <laughs> but, but again, uh, this caused havoc uh, among the industry. Yeah. And, you know, it, but the way, the way we looked at it was, well, it is what it is. This is what is right for the customer. 
Well, but being a leader means very often being the being alone, right? I, I guess that I, I go back to your your opening statement here, and and when I in particular when I think about local number portability and the wireless directory, I guess I guess we were disruptive, uh, at least to some degree. I don't like to think of it that way. You know, I like to think as we were we were challengers in the industry. Well, but that's exactly the mindset of being the leader and it's that, that at the same time the challenger. Usually the challenger is the you know the runt of the litter, the one that has no choice but to challenge. And where you know your back is against the wall and the only thing you can do is disrupt or 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 challenge. So how how do you continue then to have this mindset permeate the company? Because the, the, the success and failure not only depends on how good is the leadership suite, but how does everybody else in the organization live and breathe and, and execute on that same vision? Well, I think people need to understand that one of the most important strategies for success is to work hard to try to make yourself better every day. Do something new. Do something different to, to your word. Okay, do something disruptive. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think in, in recent times here, you look at what T-Mobile has done over the last few years under John Laguerre. Now, if you want to talk about a leader who was disruptive, when he took over on T-Mobile, and I, by the way, I'm following this more from afar because I I had retired from the industry at the time and was teaching mm-hmm. school. But if you look at what he was able to do, he had no choice but to be disruptive. Yes. Had he continued to do the same old thing day in and day out, T-Mobile would have stayed at the bottom of the pile. But he didn't. He was disruptive, to your point. And, you know, look at where T-Mobile is today. Yeah, very impressive. And he turned that company around and and instilled a, a new culture, which you also did because Verizon is an agglomerate or was an agglomeration of different operating of different companies. Bell Atlantic Mobile that you led, Primeco, GTE and and AirTouch. Yeah, well Ninex and, and, and Bell Atlantic. Even even before that, I mean, our goal was always to to be bigger, to be better, to grow not only organically, but to grow through acquisition and merger. And I mean, that's to a large degree. That's that's what made Verizon the 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 company that Verizon had become. But most mergers fail. I can look at at like an arm long list of mergers that failed. And yours didn't. Well, you're right. I, the, okay, I just to give you a little of my own <laughs> philosophy on mergers again. It, you know, and we study this <laughs> in, in my class at, at Princeton. I, it's ironic. You're exactly right that I think more mergers fail than than are successful. So we had in in, in my course of of working at Verizon, we had 
with without exaggeration, 25 plus mergers, large companies and small. Back to your point, it wasn't just you know GTE and Bell Atlantic, 9x and and Primeco, and it, it was it was more than that. It was yeah. small companies too that filled out our footprint. And one of the keys to success was, if you, by the way, if you read the textbooks, the textbooks say, all right, when you join two companies, make sure that you form task forces and that you pick the, the best practices from each of the companies that are merging. That was exactly, in my mind, the wrong strategy. When we put companies together, we didn't form task forces that said, let's necessarily look for best practices. We said, we already have practices that work, and this is what we will do in the new company that we're creating here. And we also said, this, this sounds rather harsh, and I, I don't really mean it to be, but we also said that, please understand that if you as an individual don't like this or un, are unable to do this, then it would be beneficial for you not to stay with us. It was that simple. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that guiding principle or principles were, were one of the main reasons for our success. Mm-hmm. And by, by the way, merging these companies is not something that, that Denny Striegel can do alone. I, I set direction. Well, what I was lucky enough to have was good people to work with that, that knew how to do this, that, that had the understanding of the tactics that were needed. And personally, I, I, I consider myself just <laughs> one lucky leader of a, of a business that, mm. that just seemed to work, seemed to click. Well, I think you're lucky once, you're lucky twice, third time it's skill, right? Well, you're kind. Uh, Well, one time you're unlucky, twice you're unlucky, third times it's incompetence. That's the flip side, too. But (laughs) okay, right? It's it's there, there comes a track record where luck becomes a habit. So, what recommendation would you have for like a younger leader who would like to have a career? Because I think you share some wonderful principles with your students at Princeton. What would you say that that a, a early or mid career executive would find valuable? Well, I talk about this at length in in my book, in in my class, and I talk daily about this at Verizon. Integrity is the key to success. We had in in our business built a a philosophy, a strategy that respect and trust for one another was critical. That open, candid, direct communications, no hidden agendas, for example, is the way we run the business. If I were were talking to a, a, a young leader coming up in the business right now, I would say, Integrity is key. And by the way, integrity is more than, than just honesty, right? I, I can I can be honest when I say I robbed the vault in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's not integrity. I define integrity as doing the right thing even when no one is watching. And when you think about that, and, and by the way, we, 
we don't all do that all of the time, and I understand that. But when you think about that as an operating philosophy, strategy, the way I, I run my life, it's difficult to do, but if you can do it, people who work for you and with you, they watch what you do more than they listen to what you say. Well, actions speak louder than words. Everybody, exactly right. everybody says, you know, the right thing, doing the right thing. Right. We called it, in our business, we called it the shadow of the leader. I remember talking about this day in and day out. It's the, it's the shadow that you cast upon the people that you work with that is the most important element of what you do. Cast the right shadow and you get the right actions from people. Danny, thank you very much for your insights. This was a, a terrific, you know, half hour. We usually are 15 minutes, but we are really lucky to have you on the show. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you and, and your family. And, and thank you for being here and really appreciate it. Well, Roger, thank, thank you so much for your kind words. Thank you for the opportunity to, to spend some time with you and, and your listeners. And I wish you, your family, and everyone happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Right. God bless. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Roger, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.